0: for being here, my friend. I'm Vonna Davis, and from my heart, I welcome you to the Midlife Confidence Podcast, the show that will help you skip the midlife crisis and fulfill your midlife quest. I found the key to growing in our middle years lies in managing our own mind. I want to teach you to reimagine your identity and purpose and live a life full of possibility. Join me on a journey to discover your midlife confidence. Let's talk about peace today. I think pretty much all of us would love to have more of that in our lives. And here's the thing. We think something has to happen for us to feel peace, that we need to have or do or be something in order to have peace. Maybe we want this pandemic to go away and never come back. Maybe we want to stop eating one brownie after another. Maybe we want to see a certain number in our bank account. Maybe we want a grown-up child to get their life together. But peace isn't tied to an experience or circumstances. Something outside of you doesn't have to come together to let you feel peace, and you don't have to deserve it. We don't have to wait until we've stopped eating all the brownies, or done all our ministering visits, or organized the basement. To be worthy of peace. You can learn to feel peace at any time and free yourself from mental and emotional slavery. You know that God promised that we can live in a peace that passeth all understanding. Why does that kind of peace go beyond our understanding? Because again, we think that things have to be a certain way for us to feel peace. But God is telling us, I know it doesn't make sense, but you can feel peace in spite of things being messy and unfinished and disappointing. So let's talk about when your mind and heart are spinning and how you can rest in the sweetness of peace. The way I imagine it, I can envision myself rock climbing a steep cliff and under one arm I have a big wooden box. And that box is full of worries, concerns, expectations for how things should be, disappointment in myself and others, and all the heavy things that steal my serenity. And then Christ comes and offers to take that box for me so I can climb better with both hands. So I hand over the box and it's so great to have the load lifted. I feel free and I can climb better and it's so much more fun and enjoyable. But then sometimes I take the box back from him It's like I just think, I need that box. I better take charge of it. So it's been a continual learning opportunity for me to be aware of what I'm doing and to decide that if God was generous and loving enough to take it away, I can let him keep it. And I'm learning to accept that gift of peace and stay in it. I assure you Christ's promises are real. Remember he said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Recently, Jeffrey R. Holland referred to that scripture, and then he said that commandment is nearly universally disobeyed. He said that he was convinced none of us can know how deeply it wounds the loving heart of the Savior of the world when we are not confident in his care or secure in his hands. So how can we feel that peace which passeth all understanding? In our midlife, there are so many things going on that can take our peace if we let it. Our grown-up kids, what to do with our life next, maybe health or finances, and so many other things. Feeling like we should be farther along now, wondering if we're doing the right thing. One of my big chances to learn to stay in peace has been with my grown-up kids. And if you have children, I know you can relate. So much of our worry and concern comes from wanting them to be happy and live the life that will lead them to that happiness. So here's just one small example. Our son, Sean was in the Marine Corps for five years, and it was a tough experience for both him and us. And when he'd been in about two years, he came home on leave. And so we spent a few days just hanging out and talking. We went to Sundance and rode the lift up the mountain, went for a hike. We went to a movie. We went out to Brick Oven for pizza. And then we took him to the airport, knowing that we may not see him again for three years. And knowing that he was pretty miserable and we couldn't do much about it. I was feeling so deeply distressed about it. So I turned to God with my concerns, and He offered me peace, and I decided to take it. So really, most of the time for the next three years, I was able to stay in that peace with some effort. Sometimes I'd take that box back, but I'd hand it back, trusting that if God wasn't worried, then I shouldn't be either. I did hope that something really awesome would happen while he was in the Marine Corps and something would come together for him and then we'd all say, oh, that's why it was so important for him to go join the Marines. But Sean's situation never really got better so that we could then feel better. The conditions in the Marine Corps were always really difficult. The best reward was the day he left the base in Okinawa and got on a plane to come home. So during that time, I just learned to rest in that peace. And now guess what? He's been out for two years and he's in his second year of law school, all paid for by the military. So in the end, something good has come from his five long, long years of service. And now I still get practice staying in peace because he's doing law school online because of the pandemic. He chose the school with the most beautiful campus overlooking the Pacific Ocean at Pepperdine University, but he's doing school alone in a little apartment So I'm still getting lots of practice with peace. Peace in our messy, uncontrollable life and peace with our messy, unfinished selves. Again, peace is unconditional. So here's a story of two conferences that I was in charge of. And there isn't anything quite like planning and managing a big event. It's right up there on the stress scale. For five years, I was director of Utah Coalition Against Pornography, a nonprofit that's been around for 20 years. During that time, I executed seven conferences, and every single one had its own unique share of drama. So, leading up to every conference, I would wonder, what's going to happen this time? But there's one that stands out as the very worst of all. We flew in a very well-respected researcher to be our closing keynote speaker. She'd spoken at our conference before, and she's a leading scholar on the effects of pornography. That year was the first year that we asked speakers to submit their presentation for a review before the conference, but she just wasn't responding to my requests and I let it go. You sense what's coming, right? Well, we had well over a thousand people in the ballroom, and as she got into her presentation, she started to share some things that were seriously graphic and triggering for our audience It would have been fine for a room full of academics, but our audience was everyday public people who were just looking for some help in their homes or their role as a church leader. And it's really scary for them to show up at a conference about pornography in the first place. Basically, she was repeating some horrific things that men were saying about women in an internet chat room of users. Well, people started getting up and walking out And I totally respect them keeping their boundaries, but I stood in the back of the room with our board members in absolute horror and dismay while literally hundreds of guests got up and walked out. It's the kind of thing you're watching unfold in slow motion, like, I can't believe this is happening. Tell me this isn't happening. But we couldn't do anything about it. Most of the people who left stormed out of the building. Some stopped on their way long enough to dash out some very angry comments on our evaluation forms. And we had some high-level church leaders there attending who also walked out, which added to the mess. Well, the fallout from that was really rough. We sent an apology through email to our guests, which some people appreciated. But we got a fair amount of people responding who thought we were overreacting and being disrespectful of the speaker because they appreciated her honesty. So it seemed like everyone was mad about it for different reasons. We apologized to our sponsors. We really worried they would pull their funding. We apologized to church headquarters, worried they would stop promoting the conference. When we were done doing everything we could do, I was left with the worst shame hangover I have ever experienced in my life. For two months, I was spinning in pain and shame. Here's what I was thinking. I harmed vulnerable people who trusted us to help them. I didn't follow through and insist that the speaker submit our presentation for approval beforehand. I felt like I lost the trust of our audience, our supporters, and my board. I was afraid UCAP was done for because of me. At the time, I didn't have any tools or training to handle it. I just lived with it, trying to get up and keep getting through my day. Months went by with me operating in that painful mental state. But slowly, slowly, ever so slowly, my emotions started to heal and reset. In time, we found that people still came to the conferences and sponsors still funded it and we were still in business. I regained confidence in my ability to carry out the conferences much wiser now. Well, that for sure was the hardest professional experience I've ever been through. And it was an experience that showed me the slow boat to peace. It took so long and now I know that I didn't have to suffer like that. So I have another conference that happened later to tell you about and something that happened in between that made a big difference. One of my favorite things being director of UCAP was getting to know awesome people who were involved in the cause. I made friends with Steven and Ril Croshaw, who run a 12-step program called SA Lifeline. And they have 12-step meetings for men working on recovery from sexual addiction and women healing from betrayal trauma. And they live in my neck of the woods. So Real invited me to attend a 12-step meeting, and I thought, this is great. I should learn more about 12-step and betrayal trauma and what these women are going through. It will be a good learning experience to go to a couple of meetings. So I started attending this group, and it didn't take long for me to realize, oh, I need this too. I needed to learn to surrender what I couldn't control. I came to look forward to these meetings and the amazing insight I gained from these women who were facing really big challenges in their families. I met with them regularly for three years and gained so much from it. And among other things, I learned how to find peace even when things are looking pretty bad and out of control. So I had this really powerful personal growth during this time. So let's compare that first conference to one that happened a few years later. One of the things I started to do as I planned these conferences was to pray for God to fill the conference with a spirit of love and peace and that people would get what they came for. We had the amazing blessing of having Elder Jeffrey R. Holland come to be our opening keynote speaker, and that helped to boost our registration numbers. So we had 3,300 people sign up to come. We were usually at about 2,000. This was awesome, but the only problem was the ballroom could only hold about 1,500 people. So we set up two overflow rooms. We paid the Salt Palace a boatload of money for Wi-Fi to live stream Elder Holland. All of these arrangements were on top of the usual craziness of preparing for a big event. But having the tools that I learned through 12-step was making all the difference. I was so busy, but my friends and my husband commented on the difference they saw in me handling it. I even slept well the night before the conference, which is kind of unbelievable because I would usually be tossing and turning all night before. So we got started in the morning checking on everything and making sure it was all set up. The live streaming setup in the overflow rooms was working great. And I'm running around putting out fires as usual. Finally, it's time to start, and I'm out in the hall, and people start coming out for help because the live streaming isn't working at all in either overflow room. So I'm looking around for the Salt Palace Tech crew, nowhere to be found, of course, and I was just super frustrated. I remember my husband walking up to me and saying with his good humor, Well, honey, it isn't a conference until something goes wrong. So all of these people who came to hear Elder Holland were annoyed and disappointed and we just couldn't figure it out. I think we finally got it going in a very rocky way. We think that when everyone came in with their mobile phones, they drained the Wi-Fi bandwidth. Well, as usual, lots of other things didn't go as planned. There were people who didn't help as expected. We lost materials, all the stuff. But as people were leaving that day, I heard nothing but good comments. The Elder Holland was fantastic. It was an amazing conference. So we clean up the conference at the end of the day, and I go home, and I just had this sense of disappointment and failure in spite of all the good things I saw happen. I was restless, and so I got up at 4 a.m., and I had to get out of bed and surrender as I learned to do in 12th Step. I wrote in my journal at 4 a.m. that day, this conference is unmanageable. It felt completely unmanageable yesterday, even after all my work and planning. I had to just let it go and give it in God's care. Like winding up a toy, it took on a life of its own and I just had to let it go. I let go of so many details that I thought needed to happen. I did the best I knew how to do, but the truth is, in spite of the problems, the conference was filled with God's Spirit. There was this air of peace and hope and people seemed so relaxed and happy to be there. So I went through those first three steps in the 12 step process. I admitted I was powerless and my life was unmanageable. I believed that God could restore me to serenity and I made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God. I asked God to take away those depressing feelings and I decided to release my grip on it. I wanted to feel happy more than I wanted to blame or brood. So that was around 4 a.m. and I went back to sleep and I didn't wake up until 12.30 past noon. And when I woke up, I felt calm and peaceful and at ease and I did all day after that. And I wrote in my journal, he really did it. He took away the bad feelings and filled me with serenity, just like I asked. Things went wrong, but good prevailed and truth was spread and nothing dimmed the power of the event. So after that, I was back to normal. I was able to take the peace God offered me and keep it. Since that time through my life coach training, I've learned even more about managing emotions. But what I love about the story is that going through some deliberate, intentional training about how to find peace made all the difference. There are all kinds of help available to help us make our emotional lives better. And I feel like what I've learned about managing our minds through coaching has layered on even more power on top of what I learned through 12 steps. Today, if I could sit with myself after that conference when everyone walked out, I'd allow those feelings and process all the way through them, even if it took a couple of days. I would coach myself to see what circumstances were out of my control and get some clarity on exactly what I was thinking that was causing so much suffering. I would surrender the pain and accept the peace I know Christ would have offered me. And I know I would have been able to turn my thoughts around and get out of that pain within a week or two instead of months. I know all of us have heard the first couple of lines of the serenity prayer from 12-step groups over and over, but for some reason, we rarely get to hear the whole thing. So I thought I'd share it with you because it really is so beautiful. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as the pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did, the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that he will make all things right, if I surrender to as well, so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. So I have to share with you a favorite song that always brings me a feeling of gratitude and peace. It's a Christian praise and worship song by Chris Tomlin called Good, Good Father. I was just listening to it again this morning. So if you'd like to hear it, you can look him up on YouTube, and I'll also put the link in the show notes too. I thought I'd share that with you because music just has such great power to put us on the emotional track we want to be in. And I just offer to you that you can lean into more unconditional peace, knowing that you can find peace anytime. You don't have to earn it or deserve it. And nothing outside of you has to happen for you to feel it. And when God offers you serenity, you can take it and keep it. God also wants us to learn to be aware of how our thoughts are creating feelings that destroy peace, and He wants us to learn how to live in a more peaceful mindset, to live in that promised peace that passeth all understanding. Be peaceful, be powerful, and love your radiant heart. As a life coach, I teach people to see the possibilities open to them, to re-envision their identity and purpose. Somewhere in the middle of life is the perfect time to update your mind and how you're thinking so you can make the most of the rest of your life. You can get in touch with me and schedule a free consult call by emailing me at vana at midlifeconfidencecoach.com or on my website midlifeconfidencecoach.com or message me on social media at midlifeconfidencecoach. I can answer all your questions about how coaching can help you. All that is in the show notes. Take care until next time.